broadcasting live from the Truga jungle on the plain of Ergamon, which honestly was nice to check back in on for 2023. It's Tap Tap Concede. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special, as you can see, festively decorated episode of Tap Tap Concede. It's the end of the year, and that means it's time to not make new content. It's time to go over all the content that we did make this year, mm. a.k.a. it's the 2023 in recap, a year that was so packed. This is going to be a two-part episode. This is part one. We're covering the first half of the year. And who better to recap the first half of the year than Nelson? Hi, I was here during the first half of the year. You were, you did so much stuff this year. If you say so. And Wheeler. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. The second part comes in part two. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was like, wow, we're starting off and everyone's mad at me already. You've got to wait a week and keep listening to hear the second part. I might not even do it. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows if we'll remember. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of remembering things, it behooves me to remind you that everything we do, this entire podcast and our whole wonderful mega entertainment network, and including the $100 I spent on the dollar store at for these decorations in the background, is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run we really appreciate you you're the best and also if you are in this holiday season looking for magic card products and or cards for yourself or your loved ones why not head over to our other sponsor cardkingdom.com they uh will ship fast so even if you are ordering even if you make an order when you see this episode go online on monday You'll probably still get it before Christmas, and they're nice people, and they sponsor us. So if while you're doing your holiday shopping, you say, Loading Ready Run, send me button, please, you will get a little button that says, Foil Lands Make Foil Mana. Wow. That's a good one, honestly. Yes, indeed. So anyhow, and it's, you know, festively shiny for the holiday season. Everyone wants a little bit of foil mana over the holidays. Yeah, that, that secret rainbow color. Especially in this part of the world, you know, help shimmer up the otherwise dull and muted tones of the sky. It is very gray in Victoria it's right been, now. It's been pretty sads around here lately. Including only foil mana in my deck at an RC and getting a very festive DQ for marked <laughs> cards. <laughs> uh, a holiday uh, tradition. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so speaking of holiday traditions, let's start a new one by doing this recap episode. It's the holiday tradition for this year only. I no guarantees. We did it last year. Oh, I wasn't on the recap episode last year. Oh, I was. I feel like a guest host of Have I Got News For You. Because boy, do I have got news for you. It was a very busy year in Magic the Gathering. We're just going to go through chronologically. I have a cheat seat because so much happened. First up, January 13th, it was the release of Dominaria Remastered. Yeah, we played that set, didn't I, we? I drafted this set maybe five times, mostly at Magic Cons. Mm. And here, we did a draft here. We yeah. did one here. I'm pretty sure I was on like an FFPF yeah. of that set. Um, all I remember is playing Juggernaut. <laughs> I cast Juggernaut a lot, and I enchanted Juggernaut, and I killed people. What a great thing to remember. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. I genuinely didn't remember this set. I don't remember my deck, but I must have drafted at least one. I remember trying to do stuff with the sort of white-black, because that worked in like the do- other Dominaria set, and it didn't mm-hmm. quite work as well in Remastered. I believe it was you moving back towards that like five-color, like good stuff kind of vibes, right? Yeah. 
Yes. I'm hoping as we progress through the year, I will remember what cards were in the I, sets. I will remember some of the big ones. Okay. Well, speaking of big Like, did Dominary Remastered have Tromp the Domains? Yes, I'm pretty was sure. was that Time Spiral Remastered? That's Time Spiral Remastered. Okay. We do mind. this too. We get these two sets confused. Well, Dominary is a tough plane to, like, you know, try to remember which the cards from which sets were on it, because there's so many sets. It was the original, if you didn't know, the original Magic Home. Mm-hmm. That was, like, Alpha Beta were on Dominaria. Yeah. Uh, Dominia, you mean. Right. Well, both. Yeah, I know. I'm just taking the piss. Dom- so I know the difference after that PPR with Kelly Diggs, right? Mm. It's like Dominia is what used to be the name for the whole yeah. the whole universe. Yeah. Before it was like, no, we have a multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. The, the original magic draft. universe mm. was Dominia, and Dominaria is like the planet, like the, the specific place where things are happening. Yeah. And then they were like, wait, that's silly and confusing. Yeah, it's like it's. They wanted to approach expansion. It's like a in, way. in Lord of the Rings when all the wizards sing and all their, yeah. cor- like all their chords combine to make the world. That's why you it's read the, the Dominarian. I did, wow. unfortunately. Wow. Well, I read. I didn't read all of it. Wait, wait. With spoilers. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I had what I think was a really god tier transition, and then we got distracted. Go uh, speaking of big ones. Phyrexia All Will Be One was the first like mainline set that came out in this year, in February of 2021. Uh, and, and it gave us the universes within Street Fighter uh, sort of cards, which was kind of a nice promise kept. Like, oh, those cards that we made special are coming back. They're but still doing that. What did we think of one? It was toxic. Um, but seriously. I have some rude thoughts, so I don't know if I should go first or, or later. Uh, no, go now. Okay, great. Um, so this is like one like crushed it from sales. Apparently, it was like incredibly popular. Really? So po- Yeah, there was like um, I forget what sales metric I saw, but it was like almost double the amount of sales for the other like mainline. Like standard. the most recent set before that was Dominaria United, right? I think in the yeah. fall, or was there a middle one? Brothers War. Brothers War. Brothers, Brothers yeah. War. Like it, it right. just like crushed. Right. And people like Phyrexians. I love Phyrexians. Yes, right. You do. Yeah. I'm the Og Father, baby. I love Phyrexians. You do. You yeah, always. I like, yeah. It's been a long time. One felt hollow to me. Mm. I didn't really enjoy its presentation of the Phyrexians. It felt discordant at times, but not like flavorfully discordant to like. How you know all of Phyrexia ends up collapsing because sabotage and hubris and all that mechanically discordant or hollow, right? Uh, no, no visual. Well, yeah, it's just I don't know. At times, the the flavor text and like the jokiness of some of the cards didn't really pair well with like the severity of the situation, but not in like a cutesy like oh this goblin's getting sat on by a tree folk and dying and that's the removal spell right it's like no this is just like a person that is about to you know vivisect an innocent mirin rebel or yeah. whatever and yeah. it's flavor text is like oh, did i do that <laughs> which like i don't know that that didn't get to me and the cards felt very like can you think of a really like a card from that set that is not a commander card yeah no there was a standard deck that came out of it but i actually kind of agree that it feels a bit discordant because the toxic mechanic was only in that set right like is there was there any support in march the machine i don't think so no so it's just like 
you get this deck. You can play green white toxic, but like it can get a new pump spell every time a new standard cut set comes out. Pump spells don't work with it, right? Well, but you still just... play some pump spells in the deck to like counterspell their removal. Yeah, like not Tyva... not pump like hexproof. Tyvar's spells, yeah, standard. yeah. Like it can get new to- new tools to help the plan, even though it's not infect damage. Like you don't care about getting plus six plus six or whatever, mm. but. It's still like the core of the deck is always going to come from that set. Whereas the last time we had poison counters in standard, which was taking you back here into the middle dark ages of magic here. But Wheeler and I were playing back then. So it's like there was a full year where they like slowly teased out all of the infect creatures. And by the third set, it was a really well-rounded deck and you got to kind of follow the evolution. We didn't get Glistener Elf until the final set. And people still played in fact. Oh, people jammed in fact throughout like the in- Friday night number one with yeah. like three mana two threes and stuff. Yeah, which was cool. And then this, I mean, it's probably a symptom of the fact that we don't have block structure anymore. But it's just like, but like go. most sets, I think the choice to just do one big set has been great. This set, Frexia All Be One, I feel like suffered from not having like being the third set of a block. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. If I could weigh in from a Vorthos please, perspective, please. Uh, I feel that's what I bring to this. Uh, um, it kind of was because you had the do- battle for Dominaria, mm-hmm. right? Then you had the Brothers' War, which was the flashback set about fighting the Phyrexians. And then you had this set, which is like, now we're going to go visit the Phyrexians. So it was kind of like, rather, it was, and then you had the next set, you had dealing with the Phyrexians. So it was kind of like a block, but it was playing out as an unconnected one. So it was like one larger storyline, but like across different locations and more divided than a block. So they're kind of trying to do a pseudo thing with it. And I think it was somewhat successful, but I think people didn't realize what was happening with the Dominaria set. I don't think they made it clear enough that, hey, we're starting a big story arc right now Mm -hmm. does that make sense i feel like it was there yeah i i'm not i guess i'm not commenting on the lore necessarily i'm commenting on like the well the like i guess part of the lore but a very like passing familiarity with it like your the way that a lot of magic players do where it's like if you ask them what the phyrexians are they're like uh I mean, they're the bad guys. They're weird, gross so they bad do guys. This, blah blah blah. Like the flavor and how that kind of like ties in at a glance, and how you like can very quickly process something, but not kind of let it marinate for yeah. long term. Um, yeah, it just it didn't. It wasn't exciting. I felt kind of bummed because I love Phyrexia, and it just felt like it didn't really. You didn't deliver. Feel like they got their moment enough. Yeah, it just it wasn't. I'm glad that they lost. That's you know. Great. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't as satisfying to play with the cards or be like, yeah, these are Phyrexian cards. I'll, I'll, I'll double up on your point here with something that I think it, I have to lean into 2022 here a bit, but it, it really kind of drives this home. There's a super important Phyrexian Preter card um, that's played in like lots of formats, pretty much every format, even the eternal formats are playing it. And it came out in Dominaria United. Yes. So if you're really going to drive home, like this is the Phyrexian sets, like we could have used the good Shaildred in that set just to kind of like keep people's minds on track. You know what I mean? We did get, so there are two cards from uh, one that were like very good. Right. Elish Norn, Mother of Machines, yep. mm-hmm. which has seen, you know, saw some standard plays, uh, saw some, Modern play. I think it kind of got out modded in some of the like Omnath decks mm-hmm. because of the one ring. Just like there are better things. No, but it do. saw a bunch of play. Yeah. yeah. And Atraxa. Right. And Unifier. Oh, right. God, which is, yes. you know, everywhere. Um, 
from vintage to legacy to commander you know, commander sure. no. all these things yeah and like Russell brand is relevant those are great and they're big and they're phyrexian and they're pushed right what else is there sure you know yeah it's like you don't get that bread and butter that like really kind of like for for the old phyrexian i like actually kind of forgot about this card because yeah. the decks that are abusing this don't bother me like they don't come up in conversation as much as the decks playing format of children yeah so like i've just been in more conversations about the black card but yeah this card you're right did come from from one Important. yeah it's just yeah. you don't i the the big poster cards are there and you know they're there and they're everywhere but you don't get the small little like drippings i sure. guess that you yeah. got with the, the cranberry sauce and yeah. uh gravy of of phyrexia yeah because the limited environment was so sort of like had to be sort of like self-parasitic and stuff like that you mm. don't have a lot of breakout cards that have found different homes you know what i mean by yeah. the way i did think the limited was solid i didn't get a chance to play this set enough oh, this, i liked it this I, was, it was a good PPR. very polarized i oh, really? yeah, did not like it. this yeah. limited okay. format it that was, was to me it was if i do i have a two drop and a one drop, and if I don't, I'm probably going to lose. It was very like tempo paced and stuff it, like that. There's like, you get your first poison counter on you, you might be in trouble. It yeah. did really oh, I, shine some modern issues with limited, where it's just like, oh, I fell behind on tempo early on, yeah. and I can't recover it. Yeah, right. I and there is like definitely like you wanted to do like. I saw all those oil counters, and I went, oh, I could move around counters all day. Mm -hmm. That like, sounds like my kind of magic. I guess like this this set's limited more than most sets to me felt like playing constructed, which I didn't mind. I play like a fair bit of limited and this one it was more like, yeah, the first few turns matter way more than normal draft. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Also, if I can very quickly put on my commander advisory oh, group hat. Yeah. Um this set had a lot of standout cards for commander. Like okay. especially mm -hmm. unique commanders. People really attach themselves to these cards. Um, but a lot of them the the cycle of uh the dominus the domini i yes. guess right right um really don't like that kind of design like for Not fun as games. far as the health of commander no it's just kind of like we've we've got if you know the the design of if you would take this action do it twice right is a really safe way to push cards for commander that don't end up finding a home in standard or whatever. Right. Like these triggered, doubling triggered abilities or static abilities yeah, or the whatever. doubling season family. Mondrax not showing up anywhere. The white one that just doubles tokens. Like any, that's any, not a card that's really showing up yeah. in, in standard, maybe in like a niche build or whatever, but it's, but it's not harder. like winning tournaments. Right. Um, but that card is like a house for commander. It, mm -hmm. Yeah. The glory dominus. Right. Um, and I just, I personally think we have enough of these kind of cards. I would like to see design, uh, R&D move away from this style. There have been a lot of um, Panharmonicons, right? Yeah, but they're, they're so popular. Yeah. People just want more. Number go up. Right? Yeah. It's wild, right? Because this one and the Elishnor and the five-mana Elishnor are in the same set, right? And so they would end up in the same yep. commander decks, yep. right? Doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Sheldon, uh, may he rest in R. peace, wrote an article about this and uh while he his wording on it was not the best um and i told him that when he was alive so sure. i can talk about it now he would, uh, he would prefer that <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure. I'm not speaking yeah. no yeah um he touched on it with an article where he's like he similarly said like hey may i wish these kind of things weren't 
printed, like cards right. like Elishnorn weren't printed. Yeah, pretty soon the community is probably going to invent like uh, EDH Classic if they haven't already, right? <laughs> Just like playing with only cards from the past. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's Edit that out, James. these kind of cards. I, I'm in a similar stance of just like, you know, they're not ruining the format or anything like that. But right. we have so many of them already, like even before this, I think we're good. I would, I would rather them do something else. I would right. rather this card if be you, designed differently. If you want to inject more of this into the playing pool of cards, you could reprint them. But we don't need any more of these designs for now. Yeah, or like, I don't know, maybe do something a little more with it. These, this, this cycle isn't as egregious as something that will pop up in part two. Oh, but, okay. Uh, yeah. Exciting. Yeah. All right. Oh, and also in Punt Counterpunt, because the three of us are here, due to remember what happened in the All Will Be One Punt Counterpunt. Yep. We got turned into Phyrexians, right? That yeah. was that one. Yes. At the very, yeah. Uh, and we had a cameo from Surge who just showed up as a Phyrexian, but was still Surge. Mm -hmm. In fact, you were the only one who didn't know Wheeler and I had been turned before you. Right. We ambushed you in the episode. I was the last to fall. And we, we very cleverly, like, showed up on screen as Phyrexians after a moment or after a card discussion, right? Yeah. Did the, did the like, flicker yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Next, uh, a mere week later, oh. uh, you went to MagicCon Philadelphia, Wheeler. How was that? God, that I, I love the East Coast. There's something... It was great. It had a ton of fun. Um, it felt... I think that was the first MagicCon that I had been to in, like, so long. That might be the case for a lot of other people too. Um, well, it was the yeah, first Magic. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. It oh, was it was the first Magic. Yeah. 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 Well, so yeah, there was Magic Thirty in Vegas in October of 2022, okay. but Philly this year was the first Magic. Sorry, Con. I didn't get my branding right, James. Okay. But you, you, it was my first like larger official Wizards event, Magic Fest, Magic Con, whatever the branding Grand may be Prix, since yeah. like Reno in right. like. 2020 no oh, 20 no, it was early it was like february right, 2020 it was, february 2020. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. the like i remember reading my on my phone like have you heard about this virus that's <laughs> like it was yeah that early that yeah. event by the way looked so fun oh, i had the harshest so fomo of seeing like olivia's reno living room or whatever it was the perfect yeah. event to uh be a part of before waiting three years <laughs> yeah. before doing it shout again. out to the whole you know? reno 2020 right. crew it was yeah. super fun so you hadn't been to a Magic Con in years, as most people hadn't, because they didn't exist. But yeah. you hadn't been to a big Magic social event. And previously, they'd, there'd been Grand Prix and stuff like yeah. that, which I went to a ton of, because you could play side events and just chill. Mm -hmm. uh, and there'd been, you know, Magic Fests, which were a little bit more. But Magic Con is kind of the first of this yeah. iteration, where it's more like, we have a more bigger variety of stuff for you to do. What did you think? Great. I like that push for it. Make it more of a weekend. Make it, I think, I mean, I like GPs, but that's just because I'm a D-Gen, right? I could borrow somebody's, like, modern deck that is, like, brain dead and, like, you know, win some prize tickets or some packs. Like, whenever your friends or family would visit you at a GP, like, back in the GP days, mm -hmm. it was nice to see them. Yeah. But also, it'd kind of be like, well, why? What is yeah, there for you to you do here? here? Like, I appreciate you coming to say hi to me, but, like, I'm busy. I can't even hang out with you. <laughs> You know yeah, I mean? there's nothing for you to do. You it's, do drafts. You just do drafts and hang out and chit chat and yeah. make but trades like, and but, stuff. But, but the, it's different at MagicCon. The MagicCon, like, the MagicCon felt like like this year 
because of the experience at the MagicCon was one where like my husband and I were talking like, well, if there's ever a MagicCon in a city that we want to both go, like right. we can make a trip out of it. And like he would actually come by because he wants to look at the artwork or, or see like the cosplay or what's going on. It's right? easier to just hang out. Yeah, like, yeah that to too. Way easier yeah. to just like get into the magic on. Like you have to pay for a ticket, but Which, but there's value to that ticket. Yeah, yeah or sneak them in. I mean, it's yeah. gotta, I, get them a badge somehow. I mean, like basically, it's just you know, if you want to just jam drafts and stuff like that, there's all sorts of uh, events going. Uh, they they will talk about this. Uh, there is places to play commander. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, and but like I feel like this was the first one. So how did the first one sort of compare to like the later ones? Um, th- it was good. There was definitely some things they needed to work on, and I I'm not going to talk about it in depth. But they did improve over time, and they worked on uh, to a point, which we'll get to that in the next episode. But it, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I thought it was great. It was like a Magic's back, baby! Like, it had such that moment of, like, this... And, you know, obviously, we have this experience that is going to be unique to creators where, like, you know, uh, costs are covered and you spend a weekend with people coming up to you being like, you saved my life. And it's like, huh? (laughs) Tarmogoyf is how big? And they're just, like, you know, pouring their heart out to you. And, like, that is, like, a very positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to approach this from the, like, no, I got to jam games and, like, talk to people about the format and uh, look at art and get a bunch of cards signed. Like, that, that was a quintessential, like what I would want to do at a magic event. I got you know? to, yeah. Yeah. I didn't go to this one. I'll weigh in later. All right. So uh, we say magic, great. Um, let's see. There's also a lot of secret layer drops, which I'm not going to go into oh, because God. we're we're long-winded enough. Yeah. Um, but I will say that at the at Magic Con uh, Philadelphia, Reed Duke won the first pro tour of the season. Mm-hmm. The pro tour is also back. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And uh, the good. pro tour now. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yep. And it was, it, it was, um, I didn't watch it live, obviously, but you could have. They're like, the finals match was like broadcast yeah. on the main stage. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, that was sick. People were just hooting and hollering over like every play that's made. No, that was, yeah, yeah. no, that was, yeah. I, I appreciate actually the extent to which they integrated the pro tour into mm. the experience and sort of made it like available to people to understand. The pro tour is a bigger deal for people that never recognize onboard tricks and limited than anybody ever thinks. Like, it's just like that type of magic player. That's like, Oh, you had a thing that could pump. I didn't see that. Cause I play once a week or whatever. Like they love the pro tour. Like the pro tour is not just for these like grinders or whatever that want to like see the best deck performing. It's just a, if you make a big deal out of an event that is indeed a big deal and make a show out of it, Mm -hmm. people are going to want to watch that. Yeah. Right? And I think they did it well for the first, you know, pro tour back. Yeah. And I, I do think that the, um, I th- I don't know. I just like making like high level magic accessible and visible and yeah. stuff like that. And hey, look, you can, if are you good at this? Look at that. And the commentary team is killing it. I yeah. mean, they, yeah, it's just like the group of folks that they have, uh, including a <laughs> former former community member uh Monty Davuti. Yeah, Monty from yeah. like our PTQ grinding days, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's but no, it's a killer group of commentators, all of them just knocking yeah. it out of the park. Uh and nothing new there. They've been crushing it for a while, yeah. but yeah. 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 more opportunities this year. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, I, 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 I think that you can tell that the people who are putting on the Pro Tour are really care about it and yeah. want it to be the best it can be. So, yes. Yeah. Which is nice. All right. Uh, the Secret Layer Showdown. Isara Thanakit won that. And the best cosplay in show was uh, Stephen McCarthy as Vorinclex. Oh. So I just think that's kind of fun. All right. Let's see. We had an arena championship in March. That was won by Hiroshi Onizuka. And then and uh, moving up to March 21st, Shadows over Innistrad Remastered. Oh, yeah. Uh, came to uh, MTG Arena. They did a cool thing with that where they had different... They had the cards from SOI, but then they also had uh, like these additional like theme packs almost oh, okay. that they would like put in. So like there were cards from yes. original Innistrad or other kind of Innistrad related product that they would kind of just filter in and it would affect the draft environment and it would update. Yeah, it was like a it was like a bonus sheet and like this week it was like now there's some ghosty stuff. Right. This week there's some flashback stuff. Like do you want to do the spider spawning deck, right? Yeah. Like you have a better chance of doing that, which I thought was very cool. And yeah, like you said, kept the draft environment fresh and sort of allowed people to be like, oh, this one, right? Yeah. It was nice. Especially for, I mean, it's a flashback draft on Arena. Like, yeah. I did hear complaints of like, I feel like I can't learn this draft format. It's like, yeah, just have fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. just draft. Just got to, you know, joke around and be like, ooh, I can draft the spider deck, like you said, you know, or like, Gristlebrand's in this. Oh, maybe, you know, if I open that, I'm going to for sure play it. And just right. like, that's going to be all my decks about, you know? Yeah. You can have um, fun with it. Yeah. Well, I think I think they did that because, you know, like people like I can't learn this draft format. Yeah. I think there's a non-zero amount of people who knew that draft format, right? Yeah. And I think that keeps it I think it keeps it interesting for those people and keeps those people from running over people who are trying to learn the draft format, right? Yeah, I, I grinded the hell out of uh, Eldritch Moon, Eldritch Moon, SOI, right, Magic Online. SOI, yeah. yeah, and uh, I sure don't remember losing to Bloodline Keeper back then, <laughs> but I lost to it this time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, so overall, everybody has warm, fuzzy feelings about uh, Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered being uh, yeah. coming to Historic and all of that stuff. And I completely missed it. <laughs> oh, but sounds like it was good. Yeah. I only did like two drafts, but like they were different both times, and I was like, heck yeah! One yeah. thing about the arena launches, like the arena only launches, they're not always on my radar. Like Magic Twitter doesn't necessarily talk about them. Yeah. I don't always open Arena every single day and just check the front page. You know, like I do play Arena. I must have opened Arena like two hundred times this year, but yeah. like I might not play it for three weeks, and sometimes that misses like a whole set. Did you did it did this give you any tools in Gladiator that you didn't already have? Yeah. Oh. A bunch was, of stuff. Was uh, this the Tyros tracker set? No, we had that from We had Tracker earlier. from one of the um anthologies. Okay. I think. Um I'm trying to remember the specific the answer is yes, and then I'm trying to remember the specific cards. Oh, yeah, Snapcaster Mage. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, that is important. <laughs> Snapcaster Mage was a big one. Gristlebrand, another one for like the reanimator decks. Um, I mean, Geist of Saint Traft, my one of my favorite Let's cards of all time. That that's an important yeah. card in Gladiator. No, it was good. It's good, that. dude. You We're telling yourself that it is. It is even you worse. Can't there, stop me from playing Geist of Saint Traft. Gladiator. Even if it's strictly wrong. Gladiator is definitely a format where more decks 
play to the board, not just because of, you know, 2020 green cards, but mm-hmm. it's just like a thing that happens. And that tutu is not getting through, <laughs> but I, I, any chance I get to play this card, I will. Yeah. I feel like with this, the difference between this and Dominaria remastered is that some of the more recent Dominaria sets had been on arena already. So this one felt like it introduced a lot of cards and was like, yeah, I was excited about it. And it, it's because the Dominari remastered was like paper only, and this was arena only, but so it's more accessible. So you get to play. Right, it was paper only. And That's like, why I don't remember anything coming to arena. Yeah, accessibility is like pretty important, especially for these goofy sets, right? Like, yeah. it's just let these people experience, you know, these flash bra- flashback products with the same frequency as uh, the people that, you know, experience played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I like that. So anyhow, we all like that. Yeah. Then on April twenty first, we I, released. Oh wait, what I, I did do I have miss? one thing in oh, March. We want to talk about, talk about March the because there was a band list. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, what happened in the band list? I mean, it's for Legacy. Uh, so shout out to all five Legacy players there. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Eternal Weekend is like yeah, they, maximum capacity. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw there was a Legacy event somewhere yeah. in the East that was like full, like 400. Prague, Prague got like filled up, and then yeah. there's the North American uh, Eternal Weekends going on right. Uh, technically at time of recording or about to start time of recording anyways expressive iteration and white plume adventurer got banned in legacy uh which is good because uh white plume adventurer is um well the initiative as a whole is a mistake but white plume uh especially in a format with ancient tomb and city of traders introducing the initiative immediately pretty bad and then um yeah expressive iteration was too good it drew too many cards and pitched to too many force wills right yep fair <sighs> all right so then in april we got we went to phyrexia mm-hmm. we then decide that we see what happens when phyrexia tries to take over the whole multiverse at once right and it was march of the machine which unlike one which i did not love not only because like i feel like i love phyrexians in theory but if i spend like at a whole block with them like on new phyrexia i was like Bleh. Mm-hmm. even though i was so excited for it before it happened but then just playing with them i was like i hate these guys and like that like kind of impacts my enjoyment of the game because i don't like this is part of my little like stubborn vorthos brain doesn't want to play with all the people i personally detest the philosophy of yeah that's uh, yeah, you know, it comes down to like the game being made up entirely of pieces, right? Like yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about Magic the Gathering is that you can just interchange the parts however much you want. And so, if you're playing in a limited environment where you don't like any of these toys, like you don't want to hold any of them, you don't want to look at any of them, you don't want to brush any of their hair, like you know, you're not going to want to play with that set. Yeah, and that's, and that's fair. Yeah, but then instead, for this one, we did not have to spend another set, another entire set on a horrible gross plane where everything is made of teeth we got to go all over the universe and march of the machine what did you two think of this play environment new card type alert oh yeah battle yeah um i i I remember liking it i like preening champion i know that i (laughs) honestly did not play enough of this set i really liked it like the limited and I never got to the point where I was like, okay, I should try to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just kept drafting goofier and goofier decks mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. like a middling amount of success. And also most, I want to say most, more than half of the like matches I got into were just like casual. Like like we drafted a bunch at the Magicon that we'll talk about in a minute. And then we drafted a bit around here. 
and like I played some I think I played some sealed at home with my family um so I just I didn't play a ton of it on arena but I just kept having fun like yeah it was a really f- I played it, uh, on arena and it was just I always like th- felt that green white was a trap like it looked so good but it just never played out quite right maybe I just never got the hang of it but like I was just like enjoyed this I liked the battles were like medium impactful there were some good ones and some like real stinkers uh but you know it's just kind of like I liked all the variety I liked seeing all the planes it was it had a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. I, I like that they made a battle that turns into a planeswalker and the, that card wasn't usually a first pick in the pack that you opened it up in. <laughs> no. I liked no. that. I liked that they're like, yeah, there's a planeswalker battle, but just take this explosive vegetation instead. It's probably going to win you more games. Yeah. I don't know. I like. I, I felt like I could screw around more in, in March of the Machine, and to me, that's like the hallmark of a good format. I want to be moving around counters and making things happen to minimal effect. Yeah, battles can slow down the gameplay while not removing the viability of like early drops, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, like you want to uh, get your battle going, so you're not putting as much damage on your opponent. But in order to get your battle flipped uh, quicker you want to develop more creatures to the board lower. So you have a... Typically, one-drops are not great in Magic formats unless they're, like, really aggressive and degenerate. But this felt like your one-drops and some of your more aggressive two-drops could have some, like, viability because you can push to flip a like a flame or no invasion of Argontha or whatever quickly yeah. like you could like push for that mm-hmm. or the uh, Mercadia one it's yeah, like yeah. you have an alpha strike on turn five yeah right like your mm-hmm. one and two drops are like okay I'm already alpha striking it's okay if I die mm-hmm. like it's okay if you lose your creatures because you're getting a, a more powerful creature back or whatever yeah, yeah. you're getting a bonus you're getting some enchantment that pumps all your creatures every turn god that one was kind of oh yeah annoying. It, hey, it felt two mana one yeah. yeah it felt like there's and this is kind of a trend where it felt like a limited environment where if you really took a magnifying glass to it you'd be like this isn't the best limited format when it comes to like strategic nuance and like the the agency of players taking game actions and sure. play patterns, but it was fun mm-hmm. and you got to dick around yeah. and you got to do cool stuff. It's like Kamigawa. It's what made Kamigawa Neon right. Dynasty so popular is right. because it had a lot of that as well. It had a bunch of different corners where you can build like the vehicles deck or you could do the enchantments plus an artifact theme or you got a bunch of shrines a bunch of stuff yeah yeah. exactly and then all these different things you could be like my deck's fun because it does this yeah Yeah. ignore the fact that you're dying to a keeper reckoner raid or simian sling on turn four every you know other game but if you if you get around that which like you can uh there's there's just so much there the table yeah yeah exactly three of those matches are just two people both trying to build their funny little contraption yeah mom was cool I yeah. I really liked it. There's also the Multiverse Legends bonus sheet in that uh, that had oh, this, yeah. like, different cards. That's from, right. Like, creatures, a, right? Wasn't yeah, it, it was all creatures? It was creatures we had, we had, from like, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, bonus sheet. You go ahead. No, it was, yeah, the bonus sheet was re, like creatures from across the plains, but with like new art and stuff like that. In addition to the team up creatures that you saw in 
the set. So you there was like I'm just trying to remember what some of the notable ones were. Ragavan. Oh yeah. Yeah, that there was the new stupid steampunk monkey. Yeah, yeah, they brought back Ragavan. Yeah. And a bunch of other creatures and stuff. And most of them were fine. Some of them were like, uh, James, get it off the screen, please. <laughs> give me, give me some. I some of my spaces need to be free of the stupid monkey. So how did that make you feel, Ruler? Oh, I hate that monkey with a passion. Um, and it got brought to Gladiator. Um, one of the cool things about this, I don't know if this was like, if they had planned to include these already, but it introduced, uh, they brought the companions, like the right. Ikoria companions. Yes. Um, which means they got to print the Ikoria companions with updated companion rule text on the cards. Paper mm. cards with the current Oracle ruling, yeah. Yeah, wow. which is kind of funny because that's like 10 cards <laughs> that you're adding to this bonus sheet. So there's a companion in a lot of draft decks. Yeah, or, which or was actually, option to, which was yeah. cool. I remember drafting like a Luris deck. Yeah. <laughs> and like doing... Like, I mean, Ugh. the novelty of drafting it the first couple of times was like, wow, this is sick. I'm just getting like... Uh, enduring initiate the one mana zero one with backup and white. I'm like, this is cool. I just get to do this over and over again. Nice. I'm like, oh, this is like one of the best things you can do in the format. <laughs> okay, uh, it just doesn't happen every time because it's on a bonus sheet card. I just yeah. never passed a Lutri or a Yorion, and that's nope. partly why I wasn't yeah. like going for wins. I think. Like, I was just like, I always want to do this and don't care if I lose all of my matches. I like how we're all like, oh, so many of those cards were so good. And that's with the updated text. Yeah. They oh, yeah. Companion good. is um, one of the things of all time. Yes. <laughs> so, but, and then you mentioned backup, which yeah. uh, I liked as a mechanic. I liked that you could give an ability to a different creature, mm -hmm. right? Sort of like on that turn and stuff yep. like that. I liked how it sort of like, because sometimes you're like this creature does a thing, but not till it, not till you can use it, right? Not the turn it comes in. That ba always feels bad. Abilities with haste. Backup rules. Yeah. Um, because I I really love backup because it kind of solves an issue with these like until end of turn have a whole bunch of abilities mm -hmm. with having a counter, right? Like the reminder, like you know they it, we'll get to Ixalan, but the finality counters that basically say if it goes anywhere, it gets exiled, uh, or if it dies, it gets exiled, or whatever. That is a thing that has existed on a bunch of magic cards over like the course of the game, like Isareth and Makeshift Mannequin. These cards that bring something back, and then they just like get exiled if they die. But... They always have to use like awkward like reminders, right? Um, or just like they say like, okay, just remember that. Just this remember, happens. yeah. Exactly. And magic players don't remember anything. No, we're bad. Complicated game. Yeah. Um, but the backup is cool because it's like on arena, right? On digital magic, it will just tell you all the things the creature has, and so that gets rid of the the reminder. But in game, you put the counter on it, and it's like there's a counter on this. It has this backup ability this turn. Yes. And like. Is mm -hmm. a signifier for both players. Yeah, right? yeah. Which Even is just, it's kind of elegant, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, backup was really clever because it's just a plus one, plus one counter, too. Yeah. Right? So it stays there later being a plus one, plus one counter. But that turn, you're going to remember because yeah. it just came in, right? Yeah. It's fresh enough that you're going to know this plus one, plus one counter also signifies this ability. Yeah. Speaking of plus one, plus one counters, this set also included Incubate, right? Yes, it yeah. did. I'm getting to, I'm just looking at the uh, themes and mechanics. I really also enjoyed Incubate. Yeah. I thought that was a great mechanic because like, you know, you can do your, you got a lot of like 
extra eggs for just doing things I found. Mm. Was that your experience as well? I love egg. <laughs> Incubate was uh, maybe the the main mechanic besides battles that made this set feel like it was really deep in terms of decisions, right? Like there was just a ton of magic to play inside a match of um, Mom Limited mm-hmm. because when you're going to flip your, your egg or crack your egg open to get a creature or whether you're going to wait to like proliferate or get another egg or like, you know, just have your opponent guess whether your mana is up so that you can block with a 3-3 that's not currently a creature or that you have a trick, you know, just tons of decision trees to be made regarding Incubate. So for that reason, yeah, I liked the the mechanic quite a bit. Uh, I'm just trying to remember, uh, could you Incubate, was Incubate a sorcery? Or is it instant speed? You could do it any time. Yeah, yeah it you was could, instant speed. You can okay. flip it any time, yeah. And then it was strapped to a bunch of other things, like putting the, the tokens into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, there must have been at least one instant that did it, I think. Yeah. 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 There were instant speed ways of, of incubating. Yeah. yeah. And then you could, if you could pay the two, you could flip it, which was kind yeah. of fun. So it made combat math complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes, yeah. Mom did have some complexity issues but i don't think they were that bad like at the the, i mean complexity in the sense of like okay who do i attack you or do i attack your battle and also you have an incubate but you also might have a combat trick and you also have like this many creatures so you can have this convoke spell like there's a lot of things that go through your head about mm-hmm. like where do I oh, send yeah. my grizzly Convoke bear? Also, yeah. so like what is going on? They have two men up, but like they could be they could have like four, right? Yeah. They could yeah. just tap their creatures and what's in their hand, right? I don't remember any of the convoke spells that were like menaces, but I think that they they cleverly mostly designed convoke spells that would stay in limited. I don't think there was a ton of convoke that get brained into constructed, really unlike no. previous sets, right? Like Corda Calling from the original Ravka, like the first time we ever saw a convoke, super important card even in internal, and then Stoke the Flames when when Convoke came back, like they br- dominated Stoke, the Stoke the Flames was in the set. Right, but it didn't come but it out didn't, and crush yeah. standard the way it did the first time yeah. because Shieldred has five toughness. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um yeah, but like both those other two times it was like, yeah, there's a really important standard convoke spell. And then this time, I don't did we get anything that like commonly sees play? Mm, there not that I can think of. Oh, there was a oh. there was a convoke Boros deck. Yeah, the uh the knight. Yes. Uh Knight Errant of Eos. Oh yes. yes. So yep. that does still probably see some play. In yeah, the, the Boros Convoke deck where people are like, this has to be banned. And then like three weeks later, everyone was playing something different or something, right? Or yeah, and then they're like, oh, this counterplay, right. Okay. <laughs> um, right. For Gladiator and Commander, mm-hmm. any, what are like the big cards for non-standard ton, formats? Ton of new legends. Right? Uh, yeah, bunch of like legendary cards for for commander battles in commander i really like them to this day they have a very interesting relationship depending on the level of play like the depending on the um the power level and the skill level Hmm. and like the understanding of like I should agree to do a thing that'll be mutually beneficial right. for other people, Introduce even if talk. this makes it like you get a momentary boon or whatever. Right. But that commander players don't do well with that. Sure. If you don't like making deals at your commander table, then battles maybe aren't for you. And right? it's it's but it's a kind of deal that doesn't have a direct like, well, what's in it for me? And it's like, sure. well, 
I mean, right now, maybe nothing, but also like, you know, it's, there's more nuance to it. It's very like board based specific, which makes it really difficult to discuss in the abstract and also just like kind of evaluate, which probably led to a lot of people not playing battles. Play battles in Commander. They're fun. Right. Nah, don't yeah. play battles in Commander. Wheeler's trying to trick you. No, I swear to God. Play battles <laughs> He's going to win. No, dude, just play the battles. Uh, Fairy Mastermind. Oh, right. The, oh, uh, Takahashi. Uh, Yuta Takahashi. Yeah, sure um, uh, invitational card. That card's pretty good. So good. As yeah. they always are, I feel like. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, Rakdos Augermage. Oh, that's what I always think. Hey, but Rakdos Augermage top aided that block, the team block constructed. Oh my God, like, did it? I something. forgot about that. Okay. Was that Worlds? There's that Ravnica. It had a teams. moment though. I actually have played Rakdos Augermage in Canadian Highlander too, and like, well, that was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like the abilities are all really good. It's just if Rakdos Augermage was printed today, it would just cost a red and a black. Yeah, and people would be like, eh, maybe I'll try this in my sideboard. Yeah, you know. I don't remember what the card does. Oh, no one does. Don't it's worry about it's it. well. It's a three-two first strike. Yeah, it's like red, black, black, or it's black, red, red. Three-two first strike. Tap. Uh, you pick a card in their hand and discard it. They pick a card in your hand, discard it. Use only as a sorcery. They did my man dirty. Yeah, it's not like like they just printed the Raven Man last year, right? Like, and that's not even the first card that just says tap target yeah. and discard the yeah. card, right? God, I really wanted the Raven Man to be good, and I could not find a home for it in anything. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's just that's from a Vorthos point of view. You could build a really annoying commander deck. I, I just mean, brought I do him like up to be annoying. Yeah, I just a lot of people up. find me annoying already because it's kind of like this card. Instead of discarding a card, you pay mana, and also yeah. like the stats for mana cost as it enters are are better, and it has another ability. Mm-hmm. Like, like this card is just kind of better than Rakdos. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, but like I feel like I wanted this card to work more, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, there's maybe. a card in the current standard that's better than Rakdos Archimage, and no one plays it. I am excited to talk about the Vorthos perspective for this, and I'll get through it as quickly as possible. Uh, I sort of mentioned earlier in the podcast that we had a, a sort of like a, a long arc sort of playing out. By this part point, people kind of knew what was happening. Uh, we also had an epilogue set, but it was interesting from a story point of view what beats were covered in the epilogue set and what beats were covered in the main set i think the web fiction really was uh better than people gave it credit for but i think that people did not like the story beat direction Mm -hmm. like i think that people were overall unhappy that people seemed to beat phyrexia so quickly but Phyrexia has been doing stuff behind the scenes for a long time. And I think if that story element had been played up more about like all of the stuff that was going on and everything, right? Like they completed a Johnny and everything. Yeah. You know, I think people would have maybe seen this as more of like your Empire Strikes Back moment. Because I said right at when one came out, I was like, I don't like this set. I don't like the flavor of this set. But when I was a kid, I did not like the Empire Strike. I did not like uh, Empire Strikes Back. Sorry, it's like the Return of the Jedi is okay. the third beat in the movie. But right. I didn't. It's just the kind of person I am. So this that was what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be triumphant. It was supposed to be going across the multiverse and seeing all these people banding together and these cool team ups that you were super excited about, which people were. But I think overall, people wanted more. People didn't feel that they got enough Phyrexians, but I was done with Phyrexians. Thanks, dude. I I love how. Uh, they got their ass just beat. Hubris. Hubris. It's so good. I, yeah, I can understand like people not enjoying that, but I gent, like the idea of like, 
this big bad like they are evil incarnate and they you know and they did this bad thing to a johnny look at how messed up they are that they can like defeat an individual they as strong as johnny and then it goes like oh but what if it's not just individuals and it's all of us fighting them you know all at once yeah and then they just get stomped yeah like, that is just so funny to well, and, I, and it's like on some pla like and like they just i mean i feel like everybody's like i can't believe they lost so easily it's like literally like when you're talking about white in the color pie mm -hmm. white's negative trait is hubris, hubris. and that's yeah. exactly what defeated them because elish norn was in charge of everything which is what happens when you're bad white mana aligned mm -hmm. right right so I think that was kind of good. Like I liked that they, you know, overextended themselves essentially. But I do think it was it, honestly like extremely funny that you get to like you know uh, um, Innistrad and like the oil just doesn't work there. Yeah, it's great. Right. So they're like going to take over, and the the, the Phyrexians are like, we can't take over anything and Gisa and Garolf are like okay two people are gonna hold off the entire Phyrexian invasion and we're gonna yeah. have total necro warfare that was a great story or, or just one. even just like um you know you can visualize these like movie moments of like the portal opens yeah and then this Phyrexian walks out and is like and then just stomped yeah. on by like a prehistoric like behemoth and the the thing's like Huh? Right. On X1, it's it just another one. Tuesday, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It just keeps walking on. Like, that's just yeah. so funny to see the, like, no, you don't understand the scale. Yeah. Right? You, you should have just done this one plane at a time, like a normal person would, but you, you were taking no feedback, Miss Norn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Notes were submitted and they were ignored. Yeah. It's like you can't really you know, overwhelm the um, the defenses of every plane on the multiverse at once as if you're attacking, like, a country from all sides, right? Like, yeah. say you're trying to, like, invade Great Britain and, you you know, you hit, like, the north and the south and the east and the west, right? It's like, that's not the same as what they did. They, they went, they just, like, scattered their forces, right? Yeah, which is not to say that, like, the Phyrexians did not inflict some major damage. Right. Yeah. We are, uh, we're sort of still catching up on the aftermath, essentially, as we see these sets. Uh, Ixalan seemed mostly okay. Like, they had a lot of, uh, they did take casualties, but it looks like uh, Ravnica got pretty messed up. We've seen yep. the first story, and so they're talking about how basically two guilds are seemingly ceasing to function we have a new uh it's like this is not important because for next year but um theros got really messed up badly right. like basically all their gods are dead so that's very <laughs> exciting i mean most of them were jerks yep uh but like you know so the planes did suffer and i think people were like not people were expecting to see more of that but i don't know i think it was there yeah, if like you, the web fiction kind of fills in a lot of those holes for what was going on. Mm -hmm. I haven't read the web fiction either, but like to to credit the story planners, like we did see the beginning, like the very beginning in the cards of the Phyrexian invasion of various planes back in call time, right? Like that yeah. was two years ago, and we're not sure why uh, the Green Preter is there. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot their name. Vorinclex. Thank you. Oh. It, that's a lot of syllables. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one was there and it's like that why and now we know and Jinka Texas was on Kamigawa exactly they were like teasing this out you know we saw the Phyrexianized Tamiyo so like these things were happening um, yeah for a long time and so to have 
one set where it seems like now they're going to go and they completely fail and it seems like it's happening so quickly. They're like, well, the planning was going on for like many months, like many, many releases. So I, I th- honestly, I think credits. if they had left a Johnny and Nissa completed, people would have so much, so many fewer complaints. Yeah. Right. So is that the next thing we're going to talk about? Are we talking about the Aftermath set now as well? Because we, yeah, we should recognize when it that. came out. So there was two sets of March the Machine. The first was a regular um, kind of came out in set boosters and draft boosters, you know, a, a 300 card or so draftable set. The second one was only 50 cards. Yeah. 55. Something epilogue. Like that. Epilogue boosters. And the packs had like five, five cards. cards in them. And it was a very random assortment of cards. Yeah. There's like commons and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a different kind of product. Um, on Arena, you could draft like a pack that just included one or two of these cards. I think one. It was like I... an altered pack. And so you'd, your drafting experience was just still three packs of March the Machine, but one of them was going to be an Aftermath card in each pack. I kind of liked the, um, <laughs> the, the, the Aftermath arena experience better than the paper experience well on paper i don't know if we ever did we do like one fnpf where we drafted like we did two of them in a row or something i think or we did so if we try to include the aftermath we cards we definitely limited? did something yeah. with the aftermath cards because i had the triple plarg and the sorry <laughs> deck oh right 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 yeah okay i can't <sighs> remember what we did did we like did paul like build us like james do you remember name did, five cards from aftermath karn five mana karn okay Three mana Nissa. Okay. Well, that's unfair. Plarg and Nassari. That doesn't count. Okay. Oh, fine. hold up. Uh, there was... I have those two. <laughs> Who else lost their spark? Sahili? No, she's from no, a different she... set. She's from yeah. like, the most recent set. Yeah. No, there was a Sahili. Oh, shoot. In the aftermath? Pretty... I think so. Nahiri? Nahiri. No. No, Nahiri is. Nahiri's in. No, Nahiri's in. Okay, then Nahiri. Sparkless. There's Kiora. There's Ob. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Sparkless Ob is very funny. Yeah, yeah. Sparkless Ob's very good. Right. We did it EDSC that I I was like looking back through the year of Commander releases recently. Yes, we built that. And I was like, I want to buy this pre con. And then I kept reading the article. I was like, Oh, this is a deck Wheeler made. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't a precon. Yeah. It's just on the mothership because yeah. we like got involved to help promote that set. Yeah, no, it was fun. We had a good like. I think overall the set was fine. I think that people overall did not love the aftermath experience for the cards. Yeah, it felt the delivery of it felt off. I think if they'd saved Karn ending Elish Norn for the aftermath set. Mm-hmm. Also, people would have been much happier about that. Wait, Karn's the one that killed Elish Norn? Yes. I did He unmade that. her at the end of it. Basically, they defeated her, and then she was basically kind of lying there, and they had sort of like, you know, banged a quick Karn body oh, back yeah, together. He's holding up the head. Yeah, well, but that doesn't, that's not how it happens in the story. In the story, he, yeah, I know. See, this is the dissonance. There's Just really quick, too. I think we would be sort of remiss not to mention the absolute drama that surrounded the set and its leak oh, oh yeah the yeah. pink which i which i do think that. uh definitely pulled some of the focus away from the set <laughs> yeah. it's not good i you know i don't think the set was amazing but i think that definitely attributed to some of the uh negative negativity towards it for sure right so if you don't remember there was a youtuber who i hadn't heard of before but does magic product opening like a box out uh, openings mm. and this youtuber had gotten a hold of aftermath early and their story was that it was an accident uh <laughs> that was their story 
And but what ended up happening was Hasbro sent the Pinkertons to this person's house, which mm-hmm. is scary and also sounds like something that shouldn't have happened anytime in the last hundred years. But the Pinkertons apparently are still in operation. The Pinkertons uh, are not just still in operation. The Pinkertons run a thriving business. They do this kind of thing all the time for all sorts of companies. That's mm-hmm. literally their thing now. They're not some small operation. They're a big, big company that does this kind of like IP management and enforcement and telling people to fucking simmer down essentially right. <laughs> yeah cease and desist yeah exactly face the fist wow we're two for two or two in a row for tap tap concedes with f-bombs oh wait we could bleep that it's okay no 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 it doesn't it. count if kathleen yeah. says it yeah, no no sorry. that's yeah. not true i'll put a note in <laughs> no no leave it in <laughs> i shouldn't have said anything. what if somebody what if people are listening to this with their children well kids gotta learn that's right um we're gonna swear about the pinkertons so i liked i i mean not to uh, get back to talking about magic cards. Yeah, sorry. That's um, fine. I, I liked the cards from Aftermath a lot. Like, that three they're really cool. Really good. The Nissa's really strong. Like, the Kiora is bafflingly good Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. for Commander. Like, it's just, I I read that Kiora when I was building the initial decks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going um, to I'm going to read this card actually for the yeah. audience. It's a 5 mana 4/5 Vigilance Ward 3, which is effectively hexproof. <laughs> when you cast a Kraken Leviathan Octopus or Serpent spell from your hand, you look you look at the top X cards of your library where X is that spell's mana value and you can cast any spell with mana value less than X from among those cards without paying its mana cost. But it's okay because there's no Kraken's Leviathan's Octopuses or Serpents that you can like, you know, cheat out or get their mana cost reduced or yeah, have some way to cast them it's, more easily it's or so play ramp spells. <laughs> I just love the idea like fair. this this deck and playing even playing the like you know toned down version for the EDSC. Yeah. It was just like, oh uh, I guess I cast a seven drop and get a free six drop. Yeah. Thirteen <laughs> mana worth of cards. Pretty cool. Yeah, this card is fun in Commander. Yeah. Yeah. I like losing to this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a sea serpent. Yeah. Like you know, it's hard to get mad over like, oh, I died to an octopus. But yeah, it's like you you like double up your mana uh, out of your mana crypt, right? Yeah, it's pretty sick. It was pretty darn good. Um, anything else to say about March of the Machine other than what happened in this punt counterpunt? Oh, that punt counterpunt was a highlight of the year for punt counterpunt for me certainly. This is the one that I got very sick and couldn't finish in time. I think maybe so I was sick and we had to do retakes too. Wait, or it was oh, this was the low. I this got one COVID in May. Okay, so yeah. what happened was Wheeler. No, you got sick, so we had to push recording because you sounded bad. Yeah. Then Wheeler got sick, so we had to push recording again until basically the last possible second. Right. And then, so we had it. The, and there was like four recording sessions. For oh, yeah, because we had yeah. all the guests and we were, you yeah. know, it was, we were similarly going through the multiverse as the world's, uh, or as the multiverse's most incompetent Phyrexian invaders. Right. Tappy Toe Claws, as Elishnorn, sent us out to, you know, be part of the invasion of the multiverse. Right? Yeah, and yeah. we just absolutely messed it up so bad. We're, our heart wasn't in it. Uh, I think I uh, had the great line of look up, look, okay, steppy mommy or something like that to her. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but it was hot tub time. It was like Phyrexian hot tub time machine was kind of the concept. Yeah. But yeah. And then, but we got the recordings late because of illness. And then right as I was going to go to edit it, then I got COVID. 
And I couldn't get out of bed for a week because I was just completely wiped out. So I was like, well, I it's just not going to be done for the PPR. And we released it a week late. But it was very good. And we had Yargo and Moltani. We had Megan and Maria as uh, oh. Lynn Valla. And Drana. Oh, yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so how so we, good. How we record that show was basically we hopped in a call with them. And I was like, okay, so here's this is improvised. I'm just going to cut it together. Can you roast us? Yeah. And boy... It was so good. Yeah, it's like a little bit alarming how quickly and, you know, mercilessly bully they yeah. uh, bully they me the like girls would bully me in high school. Oh, yeah. yeah they, sort of I felt very bullied by them. Yeah, it, it was incredible. It was great. Level yeah. of professionalism brought to the, the, the appointment by those two. Yeah. Very high. It was so it's very if you haven't watched that ep- I watch those two pun counterpunts. They're very funny. Mm-hmm. They're almost not about cards arguing anymore. Uh, <laughs> all right. And then MagicCon Minneapolis. Yeah. Which yeah. we all went to in May. Yeah. Uh, I That was my first magic convention since, I don't know when. I had not really been to, I had not been to a any kind of convention since 2019. Yeah. Big, because I had this child. Big Philly vibes. Like, Mini like was great. experience yeah. for me in Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. I spent time in an American hospital and that, and that weekend was still really good. <laughs> nice people. Minneapolis has good food. It was so Canadian. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Minneapolis felt like home. Actually, it was it, uh, the same kind of warm, friendly vibes on the street that you might maybe expect in a Canadian city. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take anything away from it, but I had a great time. I I really liked being in Minneapolis. I wasn't expecting it to be like t- for the downtown to have such a good walking score because I know like not all American cities. Yeah, are, you like, could walk. Are like pedestrian centric. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. But it was no, great. I, liked I walked it. all over. I shopped. I ate. I had fun. Yeah, me um, too. That was my first time at a MagicCon for both of us, right? So it was mm-hmm. like the last time I was at a big gathering event. It was like a Magic Fest. And so I was blown away by how cool MagicCon was. Yeah. I, yeah. They I, had uh, main stage entertainment, of which I was part of. I was going to say. Uh, there's because they have Game Nights Live doing some really oh, cool right. stuff. You, uh, you played a Game Nights. And what happened at the end of oh. that Game Nights game? Well, you can see behind me on oh, the set oh right you won a game night yeah, in May I, in I Minneapolis won game live at yeah. uh, in Minneapolis playing a Rankle and Torbrand deck uh, and uh, just getting some very lucky draws obviously no uh, gotta, well and also knowing gotta put the luck and the skill together to get the victory you get playing to your outs is really important holding things and uh, flipping a Rankle and Torbrand at that last like po- or Flipping original rankle, which had haste mm. at that, that was like the perfect draw. So, nice. like, because uh, otherwise uh, Jimmy was going to win the next turn. It was a very exciting, fun that. game of game. It was, it yeah. was cool and it was awesome. And it was really great to work with everybody. Graham was, of course, dressed like a bear. He yes. brought back Bear Force 2. Super hot bear costume. It's a cool bear costume. Day, yeah. And just being part of that, there, we put up a whole vlog of our behind the scenes experience of like of how that works. Uh, and you can see that like doing the figuring out where to walk and because there's music that you have to walk out to and you have to practice your timing with that. And they mm-hmm. had dancers. It was very involved and cool. Uh, so check out the vlog on our YouTube channels. I can't we also remember did which one a, I, on. I think you were involved in this. We did like a panel game show. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Me, you and, and Ben. With the... Uh, Megan and Maria. It was, yes. Um, and uh, BDM, right? And BDM, Tayback, uh, right, Daniel Holt. There. Yes. Yeah, Daniel. it was great. Super fun. 
Yeah. And uh, I think if you look on the shelf back there, <laughs> you'll find... Uh, well, they didn't give me anything for winning. Oh, did you win, though? You got a million points? Crushed yeah. it. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. You have to retire champion now. Uh, oh. but then, yeah, and then we like played our Chaos Sealed, and we played Gavin's Unknown Events. Uh, oh, God. The Unknown we Events were so fun. Our, our mm-hmm. booth. We had a booth at that one. I really... like I And just like... Trying to jam games. Uh, I went yeah. to the I went to the panels. I went to the diversity and the mental health panel there. That was fun. Uh, and then yeah, met people, saw old friends, got food, played magic. Mm-hmm. A the, lot of lobby con magic. Which there was like nice. a party yeah. every night too. Like the bar was like there was like something happening. I feel like like there was an official party night on like the Sunday, but like. There, there was like a bar like what a I, few blocks away or something where everyone was collecting at the end of the night too. So I don't know. Yeah. It just felt like good friendly you, vibes. I found that you could just find people that you knew to play cards with, Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was great. So like after the event was over, you could just go keep jamming games, which was I played, super fun. Yeah, I, uh, I played Highlander in like a corner with uh, Blake for like right. an hour and a half or That's whatever. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just really, yeah, I really, it was the first time I'd been out to a con in years, and I was like, oh my god, I forgot how fun they are, and I yeah. just get to see my friends and eat delicious, rich food every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that so, that was great. Um, also, do... that happened, Nathan Stewart won the Pro Tour, yeah. uh, the Secret Layer Showdown was won by Richard Neal, and the Best in Show cosplay was uh, Misha Migo as oh. Slimefoot. Do you remember the Slimefoot costume? Nice. Oh, yeah, that was... Wild. It was wild. These cosplay contests are great. They, cosplayers are watch them. Cosplayers are wizards. Oh. They are the things that they could do. It is incredible. I, if you were at a magic con, it is very worth your while to just watch a cosplay contest. They are cool and yeah. fun. Standard uh, rotation also got changed. It did, right. which also lined up with uh, banning two bands or three bands. Excuse me. Um, invoked uh, all in standard. Invoke Despair got banned. Um, I remember that. Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Reckoner Bank Buster. So I had a a mono black standard deck at the time Mm -hmm. because I like to just jam games to hit my dailies on Arena, maximize that economy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love black. Mm -hmm. And boy, Invoke Despair, Reckoner Bank Buster. (laughs) But they were such good friends in that deck. Yeah. And with Sheldred, and it was degenerate. Yeah. It was awful. And See, I, I took a bit of a different path. I played uh, that deck, but I had red in it for Fable and the Mirror Breaker. <laughs> yeah. And a braid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So all those got banned. And I, do you think it was better for it? Oh, God, yeah. Good oh, riddance. Fable is just like a really cool magic card that I actually like quite a bit, um, but pushed <laughs> to push, I like it because it's pushed in all these different directions. Um, but also, that's why it's so good. Yeah. It's just like the best thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, and then Bankbuster is just like. It's, it's so much art- value. It's an artifact. It's an artifact that draws cards, poops out a token. I know. And then like attacks for four, for four. <laughs> like it just goes at everything it's, yeah like yeah, yeah. i be. i feel like almost every standard list was running at least two bank busters just for the yeah. value at that point and then invoke despair because you can't ban children 
Like you're just not going to ban this mythic rare right. from right. It's a little um, bit too new. Yeah, yeah. Like if they'd banned Sheldred, then the format would have balanced out a bunch more. But they're like, oh well, this uh, Sheldred's newer. You ban the Feldar yeah. Guardian. You got to got to keep that Sahili selling packs, baby. That's right. Yeah. I do say I remember I had a few because of course a lot of people were running this mono black standard deck at the time because it was just all the best cards. Yeah. And mm-hmm. an artifact that just poops out tokens and draws yeah. you a card and yeah. attacks for four. Uh, and uh, I remember getting into some mirror matches and just like to playing a one game where me and my opponent multiple times invoked despair of one another. Yep. And it was long, and I honestly had a great time. I remember getting better at playing against Fable of Mirror Breaker with like a similar deck to the ones you get, you're both talking about, and it was an interesting shift going from, you know, I really want to try to like duress this out of my opponent's hand to just like, no, if I only two for one myself against the Fable, that's great. Yeah. Right. Like that's it. Like most things you're like in magic, you're trying to like have clean answers to like a one for one is good. Or if you get something else after you've one for one them, like you get to draw a card two, or you get a two, two that sticks around after the two, two ETB kills the opponent's problem creature. Like you feel so good about that. Fable of mirror breaker. If you only two for one yourself, you just spend a card to kill the two, two token and you just spend a card to kill the enchantment. Feels so good because you got to kill that. Two that's two. like that's mm-hmm, like the floor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's like the baseline. If you can, if you do any better than that, that's totally gravy. But if you can just <laughs> two for one yourself, you feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is just two for one. <laughs> if I just two for one myself against the fables, I'll win the game. It's gonna be great. Uh, standard rotation was changed to a three-year cycle. How did you two feel about that? I uh, I'm still processing. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's overall better. But it's not a complete picture as to why it's better, you know? Like, it is going to be... I can see the argument for it being better for standard play. Mm. Letting people have their cards, play their cards longer, uh, learn how to, you know, actually have a time frame in which a card that might be really strong at the beginning of the standard format gets worse as you print more cards that can address it. And so there's a longer window of having an answer to this threat so it feels like you know um i was going to say shieldred but that's not a great answer because there are no great answers um but yeah it's like you can have this card printed that like dominates for like six months or or four months or whatever it's just like the best thing to do and then get a card that answers that but then have like a longer window of that answer existing right so they get to coexist and it makes for a more interesting kind of like back and forth yeah, instead of being like, ah, my opponent has sheltered, so I'm going to lose. It's like, all right, my opponent has sheltered, but I have answers. Yeah, and sometimes like getting the answer out like the door happens at a point where there's like, well, here here you go, finally, an answer for your problematic card. And then you have it for three months because the problematic card's rotating. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, and it's just like, oh, okay, well then does this card then, like does this answer now dictate like what is going to be good for the next two years? Yeah. And it's it, it makes it a little awkward. This gives them more flexibility with a giant asterisk because that comes with actively addressing like cards in the format, mm-hmm. right? Like actively addressing like that lets you do these things. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do these things? Are you going to ban these cards? Mm. Um, are you going to like actually affect the the format? And uh, I can't say uh, speak on that too well because I haven't played standard since uh, Ixalan has has come out. Mm. But 
I want to build another standard deck. I want to get back into it. Standard's not as bad. Here's the format's pretty it, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's everybody likes to rag on standard yeah. as being like nobody plays it, and then they go and play like Angels and Pioneer or some garbage. Uh, that's a targeted insult to someone. <laughs> um, great. And it's just like wild because like standard's like not that bad. It's actively uh, enjoyable a lot of the time, especially if you're playing on arena, just like having this deck, booting it up, playing like a handful of games, do your dailies and stuff. It's like, yeah. When Ash Lizzle came in and this is sort of spoilers, we were, we were hanging out and, and she was showing me some of her standard decks and they were fun. I liked them. Yeah. She's got some good brews. Yeah. yeah you can, streamer. you can mess around. You can do wild things. Mm -hmm. um, and like, you can do a lot still of still kill people. Yeah, Oni Cold Anvil is still out there making value. Yeah, I mean Ash is like the premier propaganda pilot of Oni Cold Anvil right there. <laughs> yeah, I, well, she sold me on it. It's it. Uh, look, you're got. I got to like it's it's it's, it's, it's 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 as long as I can hear Powerhouse start to play in the background as I'm trying to figure out my turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. That's all I want to do. <laughs> For me, I'd like it if um like like the three year format results in kind of still the fire philosophy but less bands mm. because like the fire philosophy kind of came with well there's gonna be more bands right yeah. we're gonna try to like juice up the cards we're gonna you know we put them in goose suits a little bit right mm. and then if we have to we'll ban them mm. but if what ends up happening instead is there's sort of like regularly a new contender but then the following set results in like a balancing and then and this can happen over a greater period of time so you still end up with like a vibrant standard with new and exciting stuff and you can play like most of your old stuff because it didn't get banned. Then yeah. maybe, may, and we won't be able to know for like several years whether this is what happened. But if we look back in hindsight and say, hey, the three year standard was great because of this, then this, then sound, great. this sounds very like pro the capitalist side of the card games. But I'm trying to, I, I mean this from like a, you know, enjoying what you're doing sure. aspect of sure. like, I like, I would like them to use bands a bit more. Uh, than they do to get people to play new cards. Mm. Okay. And just like, you've had enough Shieldred, you know? I'm not right. saying to ban Shieldred in particular. I'm using it as an example of like, this is a ubiquitous, like, powerful card, mm -hmm. right? But like, you know, you've you've had enough. Like, this card has been, you know, you take any of these top tier contenders in the format that have been that for like, uh, since, you know, uh, sometime in 2022, and it's like, hey, it's twenty it's twenty twenty four, you know? Let's yeah. let's play with something new. Get yeah. a new toy. There's right. a new king in town. So what? maybe the three year format can just exacerbate that problem, right? If like there is like say Shaildred doesn't get banned from standard and also no other better card ever gets printed. Right. It can if they don't take advantage like take action or like, right. you know, if they're just like, here's a three year window and we're not changing how we actually, yeah. you know, deal uh, with it. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's a risk, but also a potential reward. Yeah, that's I, I. I still feel torn about the three-year standard thing. I'm not yeah. not certain. I think that's a nuanced and well thought out position, and I'm sure the internet will absolutely appreciate all of the very specific <laughs> boot licking things. scum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Listen to these shills. Yeah. Shills. Anyhow, the last thing I want to talk about because uh -huh. this takes us to sort of mid-May is that Arena Cha Arena Championship Three was won by Benjamin Broadstone. I like the arena championships. They're fun. They're do you cool. watch them? Yeah, uh, I do, okay. and I watch like streamers try to like qualify and stuff like okay, that. Sorry. And you know, like I think I think it's a fun thing to do. I like that they do them. Uh, I like that people who do them seem to enjoy the prize structure and the payout and how they generally work. And I'm happy that Wizards keeps doing them cool. from a person who doesn't personally play them, but 
enjoys the content that is created around them and the enjoyment my friends get out of trying to play in them. Nice. Cool. Awesome. All right. And that brings us up to June, which means that it is time for to call to a close part one of 2023 in review here on Tap Tap Concede. I want to say a big thanks to James, who's been getting all the cards and running everything and chiming in occasionally when we forget things, and Wheeler. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Nelson. I was here too. And everybody uh, who has been supporting us through our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run and cardkingdom.com. They're a kingdom of cards. They're a play- great place to order your holiday presents from with fast shipping and the potential of a bonus button if you say loading ready run sent me button please so use our affiliate link it's cardkingdom.com slash lrr and of course if you have any opinions about what happened in the first year or the first half of 2023 please put them in the comments below we'd love to get some feedback that isn't you corporate chills (laughs) yeah tell us what we forgot how could could we be corporate chills if we spent the first half being like this Kind of sucked. Yeah, I didn't like. I don't know, but the person typing right now does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Explain your reasoning. I'd like a a long, engaged comment that several people can get into an argument. Show your work. Yeah, show your work. All right. Until next time, thank you so much. This has been Tap Tap Concede.